welcome to episode 173 of Storyteller Conclave, the show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm doing okay. Happy it's... birthday, Rob. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a good week, and uh, I've had a lot of great uh, birthday receptions, so I appreciate it. Yeah. That. It's been nice. Yeah. I uh, had uh, a great dinner with my folks last night, and uh, I'm, I'm sharing with you and mm-hmm. a few other people who came for dinner tonight for, for our pre-show dinner uh, a little bit of port. So, uh, uh, there you are. A taste of the uh, of the past to the present. Kings to you, Mondego. Mm. Mm. Fucking great movie. Um. There's my one. <clears throat> Damn it, I only get four more of those. <laughs> that being said... Uh, it's the port talking. It's, uh, it's been quiet game-wise. It uh, has, yeah. We're in a little bit of a... we've got like the D&D 1 stuff that just hit... And and people are really talking. The beta is out there, and if you've seen, if you're on D and D Beyond, I know um, they're sending out their notices of like, hey, come t- be a tester for yep. Yep. for one. And I'm I'm interested to take a look at it. Um, I know I is that in I, I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet, but I know that there was some scuttlebutt about their own uh, virtual tabletop. Yeah, that's inclusive it, of it. It actually looks really good. Um, if you've uh, if you're experienced at all with Tailspire. Um, yes, which I, yes. I'm in the Kickstarter for, so I got the early access to it yep. um, and whatnot. Um, if you're familiar at all with, t- t- with Tailspire, it looks a lot like that. In fact, I okay. saw something in the Tailspire subreddit that was like, uh, what's the future of Tailspire now that D&D 1 is a thing? You know? Well, first off, there's other game systems besides D&D. Precisely, yeah. It, it, Tailspire is a D&D ag- or it's, it's game agnostic. It doesn't have a gaming system. It's not a VTT. It's a, right. it's a, it's a 3D terrain projector that has dice and you know so yeah so and and you can honestly it's play savage worlds in yeah, it you know exactly exactly and that's that's the whole point that i i look at D one as it is a niche for what it is yeah you know yeah. um and but at the same time like great good for them you know being a niche they can perfect it yeah that's great yeah. you know and with as much as they've done uh, as much as the developers did with making D beyond kind of ubiquitous across D&D and making it functional so that, like, hey, these are the books I'm using for my campaign. Mm-hmm. That's all you can make your character with. Yeah. Oh, we're now adding this. Now you can do adjustments and continue on from that point. Yep. That's that's fantastic. Being able to search for stuff, I wish they would get their encounter thing working a little bit better and not breaking all the time, but, you know, they'll move through things. Yeah, sure, but, I mean, so. the, the fact that they're integrating their own VTT and stuff, that shows that it's at least a priority for them. Yeah, advertising that is it. very true. So, um... That's a good thing. You know, it's not like abandoned wear for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. secondly, like, I think this is kind of the gaming experience that low-key I've kind of wanted all of my life. You know, yeah. it's that one, one big integrated digital product that sure. facilitates all these great things, uh, you know, uh, able to happen. I think, I, you know, 20 years ago we all saw this in our head going, like, yeah. wouldn't it be cool in the future if we could just do this with computers? And here yeah. we are. We're, we're living in the future now. Yeah, yeah. And it's I, – I, like – I'm on a Kickstarter that for a um, virtual tabletop that is a 3D interface using cameras. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it can use anything, and, okay. or you can just play it off your tablet. Oh, okay, cool. So the idea is, is it's not only for the people who are in the room, but for those who are outside of the room or those who can't see the table well. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that concept that it's accessible ready, and I'm really interested to see how far it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I haven't really looked at the D&D 1 rules yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all very early beta playtest sort of stuff. And yeah. I, I typically what I do, and I do this with like early access video games and stuff like that too, is like I'm like I'm not going to get involved in that because it's so early on in its development. Things are so in flux. They're going to be changing constantly. It's way too early to be forming an opinion about literally anything. So Exactly. Um, I'll take a look at it in probably a couple months. I know that probably makes me we we run a a, a tabletop role playing podcast, and I know that probably you know makes me out of the loop on things. But eh, I'm also not in a D and D game right now, and there's a lot of other opinions out there that are probably a lot more informed than mine. So, well, also I feel a lot of times that, um, especially with game development, software development, and you know just bugs in general, anytime that you're dealing with a new an alteration of a system. On top of an alteration of technology and an enhancement of technology, you run a lot of risks with presenting that and and letting anybody talk about it in a canon way. Like, this is how it is. Yeah. They could radically change a lot of this. I remember 3.5 when we got the playtest for it, how NDA locked and crazy and quiet it was. Or I should say 3.0. that made 3.5, and it was terrible at places. Mm-hmm. And we made a lot of comments. Like, I, I remember playing it and, and realizing how many issues there were with just typos in the book. And yeah, yeah. We were, it was beautiful that we were able to do it, and we had this ridiculous stack of paper that we printed off to make what it was. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't have made commentary on that. Yeah. Because it wasn't ready yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, let's hype this up a little bit, but at the same time, take the time to make it right. It reminds me a lot, um, uh, I, I, I'm an artist by trade, uh, and uh, it reminds me a lot of, like, in uh, art class and otherwise, when I would just be doodling or whatever, um, you know, people, like, in, especially in high school, you know, people would walk up to me and be like, why does that horse only have three legs? Buddy, because I haven't drawn the fourth one yet, like, my pencil is still on the paper. You know, don't sketch faster. So yeah, it's it it feels weird to like pass judgment on something that isn't a finished product that that's that's been put out yet. So exactly. I'm I'm holding my tongue on D and D one for right now, or but but we'll uh, we'll see where it goes in the future, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep at least half an eye on it. That is actually a pretty awesome battle map birthday cake, Knox. Thank you for putting that in chat. That in is, the live chat, yeah. That is that is fantastic. Honestly, that's I great. like the fact that there's a grid on it and like little. Gosh, that's actually pretty amazing. Yep, yep. That is cool. That is cool. Um, so we have a show. We do have um, a, we do have a actual topic tonight. Yeah, we do a, a conversational <laughs> topic. Cause we're, you know, just, it's, it's our generalness. But, uh, last week uh, we actually had some good questions. And one of the questions is about beginnings and endings. And this was something we had queued up, uh, from one of our contributors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it, it finally came to us of how to open and close a game. Yeah. You know, whether it's a campaign, whether it's a series of adventures, whether it's a one shot, you, you have to have something you're bringing to the table and there's some classic you know uh tropes within D of the the gm setting the stage and that gm speech that comes out at the beginning of sure. the of the story and then there's a there's there's the you know you start in media res like what's the right way to do it what's what's the best way to do it yeah yeah now i'm not gonna say i will flat out say i am not good at openings I am, mm-hmm. my brain works on so many dumb levels that I will pooch the opening almost of every one of my games <laughs> that I've ever done because I want to give more information and I want to show like, you know, I want to be Aladdin. I can show you the world. And like in 30 seconds, you've literally seen the entirety of the planet and you're like, 
great. I don't live any of those places. Like, what's going on for reals outside of my house? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a problem I just have because I have this giant vision. I've gotten better. I've had some success stories. Yeah. Um, Like, my, my 7th C school one, I kept very tight at the opening. By the end, you guys kind of got a feel for Freiburg. And mm-hmm. that, I think I kept the scope on that tight, and it helped me. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, but it was also something you guys were familiar with, which mm-hmm. made it even easier to kind of explain. I really your... wasn't. Uh, one, when we, by the time we did the school one, you'd already played in one of my games. Uh, I'd already played in one of your games, but like that, that just gave me general passing familiarity with se- the Seventh Sea world. Mm-hmm. Rather, that gave me fr- passing familiarity with all of Thea. Yeah. Um, and really only through the lens that that you showed us at that time. Right. Um, and then I came into your Children of Heroes game uh, later. Mm-hmm. So again, this is an- yet another one of your campaigns I was not at the beginning for. That's true. So That's I true. had to hit the ground running on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost entirely set in the city of Freiburg. Mm-hmm. So, um, how you introduced that to us as a as a setting as just the city mm-hmm. did not like. I, most of my knowledge of the outer Seven C universe didn't technically apply because it was such a small, intimate setting that, True. like, outside of there, you know, what what I what I knew of Montaigne did not, you know, help me. Yeah, you knew the types of people, of but that was about it. Yeah, yeah, I knew the people in my in my neighborhood, and that was about it. But I didn't know the city. I didn't know Eisen politics, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, true, true. So, but I felt like that was one of my successes. I've I've had a lot of other failures. I'm not going to go into those. I I feel like you're um, you would be far more successful if you were a talented 3D animator. Yes, because or any kind of level of animational artist. Well, what I'm saying is that your your intros are usually done um in like movie shots, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. You describe them to us like you're reading a a uh, storyboards, Storyboard. yeah. almost, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like if you could actually bring that to life and just be, just like push play on a video and just show us a two minute intro, you know, cut scene that mm-hmm. you made for your, for your campaign, it would more accurately reflect what's going on in your head and get that out to, out yeah. to us. As I'd a, even take still images that are just, you know, the zoom push through each one of them sure. where they just move away. Like, but I, I, I have the vision. I just, I'm not an artist mm-hmm. by any means, which is why I come back to doing like, you're like, this is not art, Rob. Calm down. We'll yeah. do maps. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes but, it's just description, you know? But I would say like, uh, in, as far as success, I, I, every single game that I play with you, you've had a great successful opening because you've always been good at capturing the feel by adding elements. What, me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean... Your adventure stuff was great mm -hmm. because you were able to not only set the tone and the feel for it with the way you opened it, but... Oh, with the the radio uh, things. Yeah. Um, If if you weren't around for our discussions about about Adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society, um, which is a game I really only actually ran like three sessions of because it was... uh, uh, at a very weird time in my life, um, and uh, I, I had to stop the game for personal reasons. But uh, I cut together, like, um, 1920s radio spots that I recorded and, like, listed out the players in alphabetical order, uh, you know, in, in, as if they were players in this radio drama. Um, and then, you know, introduce them. Last time we met our adventurers, they were confronting blah, blah, blah. Will they succeed or will they perish in fire? Find out next time, you know. Um, but that set the tone for how every session was going to be. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I think uh, uh, laying the foundation, you know, laying a proper foundation is like whether you're talking about starting a campaign or whether you're talking about just starting a story arc. Um, yeah. All of these rules apply. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I want to be very clear because uh, I, I, I saw Knox in the Box who suggested this topic to us, mm-hmm. one of our, our contributor Patreons. Um, uh made a comment in the live chat here is that, that when he made this topic, he was talking about the smaller arcs. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be very clear when I say that like all of the things that we're about to discuss here, you can do at the beginning of a campaign or you can do when you are like introducing a new plot line as the, as the story, you know, mm-hmm. um, I had to do a lot of what I'm about to discuss, uh, basically in my last game. Mm hmm. Um, because I was starting act two of my, of my story. And there's a lot of like foundational stuff that I have to lay down to make sure that that story has the correct impact. Um, and laying the foundation, I think is, is one of those things that like, I realized we weren't doing a one oh one today. No. So I could get a little high concept. So we're going to get a little high concept here. Um, we're, we're going to do some, some, some deep. So the first question you got to ask yourself when you're about to start a story mm-hmm. and, and look, and, and to be fair, before I start even talking about this, there are exceptions to this rule. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your game is just popcorn to be snacked on. True. And that's fine. True. Sometimes it doesn't go any deeper than this. Or sometimes if you're one of those wing it from the cuff GMs, do it. Um, you, you're not going to think this far ahead and you're just going to see where the dice go and where the players go. And that's fine. Like sandbox style games usually don't have this sort of thing. Sure. But if you're trying to like introduce a plot with a capital P mm-hmm. and tell a story with a capital S. Yeah. Okay. Laying the foundation properly for that story is very important. Completely agree. Um, so you want to think about what type of story you are setting up for. Right. Okay. Now, if you've gone through our 101s, we mm-hmm. describe this in detail as well about when you're creating, you're coming up with the idea, and you're talking with your players. So you're going to have some of these assets if you've been following those rules. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're if your players just like run us something and they're we're good for anything, like we don't care what it is. Here's our X card stuff. You're going to want to You're going to have this stuff because you're still going to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be setting that. Uh, but you're going to want to understand. Um, a little bit about, like, obviously you've got your ideas in your head, you've got your plans, so you want to think about what is, like, the theme mm-hmm. of what the type of story you're trying to tell here. What is the mood? Mm-hmm. What is the conflict that is involved? Okay, and I mean on a conceptual level. So, yeah. like, is this a story about, you know, I don't care who the players are in the story. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the kingdoms are, I don't care what the backstory is. Like, is this a story about how absolute power corrupts absolutely right is this a power about how desperation can turn even the strongest man weak Mm -hmm. is this a story about um the hero of the little man rising up from you know and and and, and seeking greatness from meek roots yeah i mean let's i'm gonna do a little bit of a teardown here Mm because i'm I'm a tv movie cinema kind of thing um mandalorian yeah its theme is very much family matters like that's that's it it's family matters and you see that repeated again and again what family is what an outsider is versus what an insider is trust faith all of those things yeah you know what's the mood western straight up Mm -hmm. Uh, any of the tropes of western fit into it because we're not saying this is 
this is dark fantasy or well, this is high fantasy. No, but part of that but part of that definitely plays in. Oh, like definitely. For, for the Mandalorian, I mean, using that specifically as an example, I would say it has it has a hopeful very much um, so. It has a hopeful mood to it. Right. I mean, the mood isn't western. That's just a genre. Yeah. It's definitely a, it's a, it's a, it's a western genre, but like, I use western in the mood sense that uh western when I say western in a mood sense, I'm talking about you have a you have defined heroes yes. that are hopeful yes. when they come to town things change Mm -hmm. and that's the that's the feeling so every time a scene opens with your characters unless it's brought in as a moment of desperation because of something that previously happened nine times out of ten someone sees them as a point of hope Mm -hmm. to change the situation that's going on yes uh and Um, i would say also like by and large you have black hats and you have white hats yeah it's very clear it's Um, very clear it's not always clear when you meet the character if they're a black hat or a white hat but by the end of the episode that they're featured Mm -hmm. in they will have donned whatever hat that is and you will know if they are a hero or a villain in the story correct you're that is not part of what you're figuring out exactly this is the way what is the conflict is a in in the mandalorian is kind of an interesting thing because the conflict is there's basically the empire who's trying to get their hands on something Mm -hmm. you know the macguffin if you will um this little green macguffin that's that's the running thing that's that's it that's the story people want the macguffin yeah that's it yeah that's it heroes got the macguffin bad guys want the macguffin simple as that that's your conflict um the macguffin is just cute and happens to eat frogs Uh, exactly exactly uh but again none of that matters right that's where the that's where the conflict is and these are the type of things you have to think about your plot Okay, on a conceptual level, mm-hmm. get past the gritty details and break it down to what it is conceptually. Um, and I'd almost say, and like I, I'm pretty sure that uh, um, one of our, a couple of our other listeners who who like using boards and stuff do this. Keep those written to the side so every session you can reference. It. Oh, absolutely! I know that's a huge thing for me because you're like, oh, I have an idea for this. I want this to be a little darker. No, no, no. Keep your theme, your mood, and your conflict. You can always step in to those feelings, but make sure that you're still following exactly what you want to go forward. And with. having those guide stars when you are writing and when you are continuing along with your plot and when mm-hmm. you are reacting to your players, having those guide stars as a how do I want this to come across at the table, it is what's going to make your plot consistent. Mm-hmm. It's what's going to make your table feel consistent. And mm-hmm. so when your players show up, they know the flavor of the story they're going to get. Mm-hmm. They may not know the events that are going to happen. All that's a mystery until the dice at the table. Yep. But they at least know that a hopeful story will continue to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. That a villain that they meet will be a villain because mm-hmm. they are presented as a villain. Mm-hmm. And that a hero that they meet will probably not betray them. They may do something crappy. Right. But they may not betray them. And they'll be looking for redemption. And they'll be looking for redemption if they do do something crappy. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, Because you have that consistency in your story. Yeah. You know? And even your players will start to follow those rules. They mm-hmm. will maybe do something wrong and ask for redemption. Yeah. And that helps and, – and that's the kind of thing. If people are following the mood, yeah. Benny the heck out of them. Give them their their their, their role-playing tags because they're following the story. Yeah, give them an inspiration. Give them a Benny. Give them a fate point. Yep. Whatever, you're, whatever you got whatever going comes on there, down. give them a drama die that's you know, right. um, for, for leaning into, the, into the, the, the theme of the story and continuing that along. Um, so you want to set the appropriate mood mm-hmm. when you start presenting your plot. Very um, much so. Now, this can happen in two ways. Yep. You're going to do this in game, and you're also going to do this out of game. Mm-hmm. Um, so in game, this is a little stressful. You because you only have one 
chance to make a first impression. One shot. One opportunity. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. spaghetti. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, I don't want to stress everybody out. It's not going to ruin your game if you don't present your plot right. You may have some course correction to do, but yeah. it's going to be so much more effective if you do present it correctly with a consistent theme, yes. with a consistent mood, etc. Yes. Um, out of game, just talk to your players. Yep. Uh, I, 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 prior to starting my last game, gave you guys an out-of-character speech, an out-of-game speech, mm -hmm. essentially. Before I even started my narration, before I started my recap, I told you that this was not a story with a doom clock. This Correct. is not a story of a runaway train that needs to be stopped, or it's going to hurt a lot of people. This is a story about dominoes and momentum. Mm -hmm. And time is not going to take, you know, is not going to be a factor in that. Mm-hmm. But once a certain domino topples, it may be a week, it may be a month, but it's going to hit that next thing because it's been set in motion. Mm -hmm. And that is going to set something else in motion until eventually you're going to realize that things are going in a direction and maybe it's too late to stop them, mm -hmm. you know? And that is the theme of my story. I'm mm -hmm. telling you this explicitly. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this because, A... If you feel like the game is going slow because you're used to the runaway freight train style of storytelling that the last act was, mm -hmm. this isn't that. Mm -hmm. I want to set those expectations up front so that if you think it's going slow, you already know mm -hmm. this is why. Yep. But secondly, I want you to know what to look for in my storytelling so you all can participate in that story. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. And again, this all comes back down to that base core communication where – Sarah and I are not hide behind the screen, dole out the secrets slowly. This is a cooperative storytelling experience. Yeah. Your players are part of that. If they are to role play properly and join the story, they need to know the story. They need to know the base elements. They're still going to enjoy it. They are still going to experience it. There are still going to be moments of highs and lows. Absolutely. That is what fate does to your story. Yeah, we're not getting to the point of being like, well, you have to role play in this one certain way. But it's no. just like, this is this is the story. This is the playing field. Mm -hmm. You know, we're playing shoots and ladders. We're not playing Monopoly or whatever, you know. Right. At least if you know the rules of the game, you know the theme of the game, you can lean into it. All right, so we've got this groundwork laid. Your players are aware. Now you have to bring them into the fold. You have to pull them and hook them in. You have to bait the hooks. That's right. That's All right. right. So that is something how... you lay out and trap. <laughs> um, so now you've got, a, you've got a, uh, uh, following my notes here. Um, so you have to make sure that now that you're beginning the game, mm -hmm. okay, you have to lay the proper groundwork for where you want your story to go. Um, so first off, are there important NPCs that are crucial to your story? Yes. Okay. Typically, we have, at very least, like, a big bad evil guy. Mm -hmm. You may have a captain of a ship that you're on, you know, if you're, you know, playing Traveler or whatever. Yep. Um, I mean, I don't know. There, every story is unique. True. But typically, most stories aren't just going to involve the PCs. Yeah. Traditionally, and then, and this goes a little deeper uh, into storycraft, but uh, one of the things that and, – and I I went into this within uh, a previous episode talking about 101 and 102, uh, 202 methods um, and creating NPCs, that you'll have traditionally your primary antagonist. Mm -hmm. You'll have a rival sometimes who might be there to, to instigate things, but they're not the villain. A foil they're, usually. Yeah, you know. yeah. They're there to – to question what you're doing and the methods you're doing it. Yep. Um, you'll have a you'll have a guide, someone mm -hmm. who'll who will basically point you to the next thing. 
That person sometimes changes um, as you move through quests and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there's all that that is always a present entity that will yep. come back up. Um, you'll have the truthsayer, the the Yoda character, the person who will never lie. They may not give you the complete truth, but if you go to them for information, they will always give you an honest, truthful answer. Yep. They may not even be a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, you may have to go to the scummiest place to get the information from this person, but it will always be the truth. It may not be the truth you want. Right, right. Um, so those traditional are the traditional ones that you'll usually find. Mm -hmm. And in almost every story, it's a great cast to have in your head and have ready. Um, the, the problem that you run into, which is my typical problem, and you helped me with this over the past, I would say, four years, is don't throw a cast of ten people at your crew. On the because they're all important and you need all these people. Don't do that to them. Mm -hmm. They're gonna re they're gonna forget names. They're gonna lose the important factor on it. Um, when we say the beginning of your story, we're talking about the first few episodes, adventures as it's opening. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, in this sense. early in your story, right. you know. Um, Don't feel that it has to come plot. out on in 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 you know session one kind of a thing. Uh, but what we're getting at though is that you want to introduce your key NPCs, mm -hmm. not every single NPC, right? But just key ones. You want to introduce like your big bad evil guy if you've yep. got one. You want to introduce your main ally mm -hmm. or you know the sympathetic protagonist early in yep. your story now the reason you want to do this is because you are trying to build investment yes okay for emotional payoff to happen in your stories your players need to care about these people and nobody cares about someone you introduced in the second to last game session going jumping out of the shadows going ha ha it was me the whole time yeah don't you hate me no, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Stephen Malfat. Yeah. Wow, um, wow. And, uh, oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? Yeah. Um, Clearly the uh, drink talking. Yeah. Uh, but you, the whole besides the villain, you also need to know why they care. Who do they love? Who's yeah, involved sure. in, and that investment is much harder. Getting, right. to, getting to somebody to be hated is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Getting someone to be loved is challenging. But you can make that investment. We've talked about it a few well, times. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, I would say getting get, getting an NPC that they hate is easier. Mm. Oh, I kicked a puppy. Look how bad I am. Right. But, like, I, the example I keep coming back to, and I know a lot of people probably am preaching to a, to a modern generation. This is a very outdated uh, example to make, but Gull Dukat in Deep Space Nine. I know who you're talking about. Um, okay. So if if you if you if you don't know about him, it's Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Gul Dukat, who was probably the main like the main villain sure. um, that that would show up constantly, and he was uh, a, a Cardassian officer who used to be the commander of the space station before the Federation took it over. Sure, um, when it was Tarak Nor and not Deep Space Nine, he um, would constantly show back up as basically an envoy to the Cardassians, and he was always polite mm -hmm. and smug mm -hmm. and oh cisco i am just here as a friendly envoy for the cardassian federation and you're like i want to punch that smile off of your face you sardonic jerk i i'm with you on that uh i i think a good if we go back to the mandalorian for a second i don't want to go too far into yeah yeah, it, yeah yeah but if we go back to the mandalorian we have the 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 uh he's not a director um but uh the uh, the primary villain in that, the initial primary villain, which is against the, the older guy. Yes. I would like to see the baby. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he he comes across 
as a businessman. Yeah. Who's looking for something simple. But what's interesting that makes him who he is is they set the tone of what the Empire is. Mm -hmm. That they're not around right now, but when they are around, nobody wants to be around them. Yeah. That they're terrible, they're jerky, they're and he is literally surrounded by them. Well, what what also <laughs> changes that character for you? Uh Werner Herzog? Yes, thank you. I think I think is the guy's name. Um but anyways, uh what 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 makes him reprehensible as a character is again not the whole I've kicked a puppy, you know, aspect of him. I mean he's never kicked a puppy. No. Well But what he is doing is he's referring to a living creature, a cute little baby, as like a product. Correct. And clearly he is going to treat that baby like an object and to disassemble it to or figure do out whatever he wants with it. To figure out what makes it tick, sort of you know, sort of stuff. Um and Whereas that is, he is polite, he is honest, he is, you know, but it's the way that he regards a a character we sh we feel he should be regarding with compassion, mm -hmm. with dispassion. Correct, and and nobody seems to correct him on that. Yeah, and and I think that's that's part of that sell mm -hmm. is that your your villainy doesn't have to be overtly villainous. Yeah. It's almost better when they're not. It is a dish best served cold. But, like, at an icy level where when you stare at it, you're like, I want nothing to do with this. But but the the idea is, though, is that you're you're only going to get that sort of seething hatred mm -hmm. for your big bad evil guy. And, and conversely, that sort of adoration and love and protection of characters that are placed in a positive light in your story, if you get them there early... Mm -hmm. If you allow the players to get to know them mm -hmm. on a fundamental level, um, and and build those opinions of them, right? Um, because you know, like I said, a, a character that jumps out in the you know second to last episode is not going to be you're, you're not even know who they are. You're not going to care about them. But someone right. who has literally been a thorn in your side from moment one, even if they're just a minor villain mm -hmm. you know they're just like a henchman to your mm -hmm. big bad evil guy if they've been through every single fight and gotten away yes i guarantee the moment that the, your players are able to finally swat that fly in the final act yeah they're gonna be like ah gotcha yeah. they're gonna do a you're gonna do a, an end zone sack dance you know right right uh on their on their on their corpse and yeah, yeah. it's it's or the worst yet is like when they think they've got the the villain turned and like you know questioning whether or not what they're doing is the right thing and then the henchman comes in saying boss i did it i finally got that thing started you know we could take care of the problem and like what do you mean you got it started oh yeah the bomb it started oh boy mm. the idiot just came back the one who survived everything yeah god i hate that guy yep <laughs> Uh, so the next, the next thing is, are, are there important bits of information the players will need to act upon? Ooh, man. Okay. So you want to reveal bits of information that your players will need to act upon to set them on a trajectory early and you want it there explicitly. Here are the plans for the Death Star, the Death Star that's going to blow up a planet soon. What do you guys want to do about it? I think we want to stop the Death Star. Oh, wow. I didn't see that outcome The Rebels you guys had the plans from the Death Star. You guys had absolute free choice on that. You could have done anything. You yeah. chose to destroy the Death Star. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, Crazy. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I, guess, I, guess we'll, I guess we'll pull a story about blowing up the Death Star. Let's go, guys. Exactly. Are you, you know. Wathans? This is funny. Yeah. <laughs> like... 
but that's the thing is is that that explicitness can be in your face, slapped down in front of you, levels of explicitness. Yes. Yes. I have a pro- I have a job. I need you to retrieve this thing. Here is the tracker to said thing that I need you to retrieve for me mm-hmm. without question. And like <laughs> that sounds a little railroady, but I guarantee you, first off, it is not. You are just giving them a trajectory. Yep. They still have a choice in how they want to go about doing it, mm-hmm. how involved they want to get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Railroading is only when they say they want to do something else and you go, uh, no. Yeah. And you swing them back to that thing. You okay. have a tracker. It's only tracking one thing. Yeah, but we're going to just give it to a bounty hunter and we're going to follow the bounty hunter. Uh, you can't let it go. It's uh, thumbprint ID to you. Oh, well, no. They said they were going to give it to a bounty hunter. Then they were going to follow the bounty hunter. As far as I'm concerned, they're still on the track. Yep. Cool. Let's go. You give it to a bounty hunter. That's ingenious. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to tell a story about following that bounty hunter to the story I wanted to tell. Yep. yep. And you're going to get there anyway. You're just going to be the second people to reach it. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Um, if there is like backstory you need to give them. Oh yeah. Uh, you want to be short and concise with it. You want to give it to them in easily digestible bits. Yeah. Like. Uh, 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 you brought up Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I think Lord of the Rings is one of the best ones. Is that perfect? At the beginning of every one of the movies, and if you go in the books, um, the movies does a great job of surmising, you know, two thousand years of 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 what's been going on to just what they need to know. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Fellowships of the Ring. You've got Sauron creates the Ring of Power and takes over the world. One sentence. Some uh, some can resist and defeat the evil in an epic battle. Great. Okay. The Ring of Power is not destroyed. It's rather kept, and some people went mad from that. It is then lost. The Ring has been found, and it, this brings us to present day, and here are your main characters. The Hobbits. Done. By the way, here's the Ring. Done. Okay. Bosh. <laughs> yeah. You now know everything you needed to know about history. Yep. Done in some simple lines. Did not take long. You know, the galaxy is at war. Rebels have been fighting the evil empire that is attempting to take over everything. They have stolen the plans to something called a Death Star. We don't need to show you or do what it does or how it works. It's it's called a Death Star. Use your damn imagination. Exactly. And now we're going to blow it up. Yes. And the Princess Lara is attempting to get that to secretly to the rebels and her ship has come under attack cool boom we are in we are in we don't need to know more than that right um yeah so yeah so those opening crawls that's the kind of mentality that you want to get to you and honestly that kind of crawl is something you want to present to your players before session zero so that they have a frame of reference bringing that back is a great thing it refreshes their mind absolutely um, and, and the thing is, the more explicit and the more clearly you lay out the path before them, the more likely they are to follow it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all about giving them a trajectory. It's all about giving them a shove in a direction so that, you know, they they your, your hands aren't on them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not railroading them in a direction. But if you push them hard enough in a direction, they'll go that direction. Right. And you don't have to worry about, like, oh, what if they go over here? What if they go over there? With enough motivation and good enough storytelling and setting the right, you know, mood, getting your players all on the same page and stuff like that, you won't have to worry about whether they're following the invisible line or not. Because the only path that they'll even consider moving is the invisible line you've laid out for them. Yep. And that makes your job as a storyteller very, very easy. Yep. So how much lead up do you need? Um... 
So that's that's the big debate, isn't it? Because because I've seen both. I've seen yeah. I've seen where you have players who are literally like one shots at a uh, at at Gen Con often are, and you've all been hired by this person to do X. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a shadow run. Sure, effectively in sure. whatever realm, and that's and that's a very traditional way of starting. Like you, you you've got your D and D um uh, trope of like, oh, you all meet in a bar and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how often that happens anymore. Um, on 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 the, on the large, but um, you know, if the story you've got is like eventually you want them to, you know, I don't know. I always use the the uh the example of like you know they, you want them to go into a dungeon and, and sure. retrieve a MacGuffin for you like maybe fight some goblins or something like that um do you need to start like okay you all meet in a bar now do an hour of role play just talking and drinking and flirting with the barmaid and rolling to see if there's mountain dew or cheetos or whatever okay now the bartender tells you there's a job and there's a job posting board on the wall and it says that there's a mysterious dungeon nearby do you guys choose to go there you know do you need all that song and dance? So, for me, I think the song and dance comes in when the people around you are important. You're in a city. You need to sell that city and its importance to the group. Yeah, that's right? true. So, you know, you're, you guys start in a bar. You're closing it because you're, you know, drinking, cursing, playing a game, having a great story. You tell me. Mm-hmm. You know. Ramp me up. Why are you guys in this bar so late? And you can even open it with like a general message. Don't you know if they want to role play it? Great. If not, they can just be like, ah, uh, you know what? They the, one of us is teaching the other one how to do the knife trick on your hand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not going well. <laughs> like you know, but the drinking is helping it a lot. Okay, the place is pretty much empty, and in staggers a blind man who is going all over the place, and he keeps talking about. This mysterious map that he sure. used to know, and yeah, now if you need an inciting incident. Now yeah. you you can open with an inciting incident where it's like that, and it's it's an in media res that's like that. Likewise, maybe the town needs to be attacked the next that's day. That's not in medias res. Well, it's also not. we've been pronouncing it wrong. It's right. in medias res. Okay. I are, I are, for anybody out there whose eyes been twitching every okay. time we have been saying it, I would like to issue an apology. It is in medias res. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Not an English teacher. Actually, I actually looked it up and went, oh. <laughs> oh. Well, we learned things. Yeah. Uh, but my, my point to behind this is, is that you have two different stages. You have the stage where the space makes a reason for them to have an investment mm-hmm. and get invested in it because they're going to be there a while. Mm-hmm. And that area needs to be accepted and wanted. Again, depends on the type of story you're trying to tell. Right. If you're trying to tell a story that is very character-driven, I think that's a great idea. Exactly. Get to know your characters first because the adventure is secondary. It should be the thing that happens second right. in your story. Right. Um, it Doing it in that order shows the order of importance of things. Right. We're going to talk about characters first, then we're going to go on an adventure. Right. On the other hand... If your whole point of your story is a rollicking adventure, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, characters are always important, but uh, yep. you know, the places we go and the things we do there are the most important part of your story. Maybe consider starting in medias res, mm-hmm. um, which means in the midst of things. Yes. Um, so I'm sure you've seen this a lot in TV, on uh, Netflix, and, and whatnot, and stuff like that. You will have an episode that starts in the middle of a combat scene. You just open and explosions are happening. People are running everywhere. People are shooting everywhere. Swearing is happening. People are dying. 
you, and you you learn what is going on in the action. Mm-hmm. You get to know your characters in the midst of of a firefight or whatever is going on. Right. Um, you know, as our story begins, you are fleeing from the for your life from the biggest earth elemental you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Everybody, roll for initiative. Might be the first line of your of your game. Mm-hmm. There you go. What do you know about this already? Well. You know that your characters are the type of people who are in these sort of situations. You know that whatever has happened, the biggest damn earth elemental you have ever seen yeah, <laughs> is chasing like, after you. You may figure out why shortly after. Yep. Yeah. One of you sold your group as the greatest adventuring group ever and that you could take on anything. And mm-hmm. so a noble hired you to go to this town and take care of a problem. This is your problem, and it's way out of hand. Yes. <laughs> you. The, the other thing that, you, that that scene tells you is you're running. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is not a let's stand and fight the Earth Elemental scene. This is a we are running from the Earth Elemental scene already, as introduced by the storyteller. That is not something we're tangling with. This is a chase scene, not a combat scene. Let's go. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so... So that's what I've got to say about beginnings. Lay your groundwork carefully. Introduce your key elements, such as your NPCs and whatnot, early to build investment. Mm-hmm. Give them. Make sure you give them the key details of your setting mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. so that they can uh, act on them. Give the them time that. to percolate in. So again, don't slam ten NPCs at them at the front door. You know, on their very first episode, maybe give them three. And keep them around. Keep them in a reminder queue. So they may not meet that NPC in the second episode, but they will be referenced. But don't give your players too much to handle those first couple episodes. They're never going to remember, nor are they going to feel that they're that important. But especially if they don't, if they're not constantly being referenced. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to talk about endings? Yes. All right. So... How do you know? Uh, how do you know when it's over? <laughs> that's that's a trick. It is. Uh, is the, the probably the biggest thing about endings is knowing when to end it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the best fiction I've ever experienced uh, was the stuff that didn't stick around long enough to jump the shark. I agree. Uh, and for those of you who don't know the phrase "jump the shark," it means uh, it comes from Happy Days. It does, which went on several, several, several seasons where the Fonz uh, literally was in a surfing competition and like did a surf jump over a shark mm-hmm. in this thing, and because everybody they thought were it was so bored of, yeah, of, of everything. It was just the most ridiculous thing, and the, people mark that as the point at which Happy Days started becoming a bad show and went downhill. Yeah. Because it had just gone on too long. They'd run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. So they were just doing stupid stuff. Sharknado stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we call this jumping the shark. When when, you're, when you're, you, your story officially reaches the point where it has fully gone stale and you stop enjoying it. Do you have a TPK monologue planned? That is hilarious to ask that question. <laughs> First uh, off, don't. Never have a TPK monologue ready. <laughs> you I don't know what a TPK monologue is. Like, like, if your players get completely wiped that you've got a monologue ready that ends the game. I don't... I don't feel that that's right. Like, that feels too harsh. Yeah. If, you're, I... if you've already planned for that, then you're thinking about it. Uh... 
The what? shark was a restaurant. Yes, he jumped the building. I, I, I actually don't remember. I, I, I had always thought that it was a real shark in a surfing competition, but I could be wrong. If somebody wants to look it up online, um, that's fine. But it's the, the, the point. The point is the term means the Going story has gone on too long and it is no longer enjoyable. Correct. And that's that's knowing. That's why knowing when to end it is is very important to you. Um, I think it's. I think the other part of it is that there's a lot of there's been a lot of good storytelling in TV shows where literally it has come to a close. Yeah. And I, I respect those shows a lot. I've seen a lot. I'd actually say this. I've seen a lot more of it in cartoons than I've seen in, uh, in live TV, but you know, Battlestar Galactica had a defined ending. Had a defined ending, yeah. Uh, they had a, 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 a ending to get to. Breaking Bad and Justified were the two that yep. uh, that, that, I, that come mm-hmm. to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like five seasons and done. Yep. I think uh, I think Justified went six seasons and done. Like wrapped up everything, story's over, boom, we're, mm-hmm. we're leaving. Oh, but the show's getting great ratings. Why don't you go for another se- – no, because we're done with the story. Yeah, the story ended. The story is over. Right, right. And – Never knowing where you're ending is the it was even worse than that, where you're literally just wandering from quest to quest to quest to quest, where it's, there's no real point. Your plot has kind of been lost. You can say supernatural, it's okay. I was gonna get there, but I was gonna start with Lost. Oh, um, where it's like, wh- where did the plot run to? Uh, what what lost, are we actually doing? Lost, I feel like started off with a plot. It did, and then decided that they wanted to throw in <gasps> twists. And to then throw everybody off of what was really going on instead of just telling a story about what was going on. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know. So the the idea of recognizing when a story is defined to be done, when this story is done is when this evil is defeated mm-hmm. or when this MacGuffin gets finished or when, you know, uh, you know, or returned, yeah. you know, and and that ends the story. Does it prompt that there could be else going on? Could there be other things that they that they discovered along the way? Sure, that there, there's nothing wrong with having a false ending. There's nothing wrong with having, uh, with having that. The problem is, is that your players need to know where the end is. Yeah. Often yeah. the false ending happens once. Once. You know, uh, it happens a lot in spy shows, spy movies, and spy shows so where let's they... let's define what a false ending is real quick before we go on. A false ending is that moment in the story where your princess is in another castle. You think you have accomplished the goal Correct. that should end the story, right? But. There's a twist of some sort where that's not really what the goal was, or the goal is something else that mm-hmm. you realize only once you've reached it, and you've you your goalposts get moved back, and you have another goal, right, to accomplish before you can end the story. Yeah, like we need to end this bad guy. You end the bad guy only to find out his evil machinations are still going on, and you now need to close X machination. Yes, whatever. Yes. Stop the bomb. Uh close the portal mm-hmm. and his monster you know or or, or, or just genuinely a princess is in another castle you yep. go to the castle to defeat the big bad evil guy and he has moved to a secondary location so you fight a bunch of his minions mm-hmm. maybe his chief lieutenant but he's not there so you have so the final battle is actually the next session yeah i did that to you guys you did uh, I I give you a false ending on the on the Poppy King plot. You did uh, because his chief lieutenant beat him over the head, stole the magical crown, and left for the castle that was essentially a day's travel away. Yep. So next to give game us session, a was, real fight. Yeah. So next <laughs> session, you guys went there and you had a mano a mano fight with him, and it was yep. great. Yep. Yep. Um, but do that once. 
Exactly. The thing, the thing a lot of people will end up doing is um, you have a story that you're enjoying. Everybody at the table is having fun. And so you, you want to be the next Marvel Cinematic Universe where everything is a twist mm-hmm. and nobody can see it coming. And you just put twist after twist after false ending after false ending in there and it gets tiresome. Mm-hmm. Because for those of you familiar with Peanuts comics, oh lord, it's Lucy pulling the uh, the football away from Charlie Brown every time he tries to kick it. Yep. And whereas Charlie Brown always falls for that, your players will will do exactly two false endings before they start going. Okay, that this isn't fun anymore. Right? Can we really just fight the big bad evil guy and be done with it? Right. It. The Joker always somehow gets away. And they have, and Batman has to go after the Joker is great for Batman. Mm -hmm. You know, he's expecting that, and that's his foil, and that's how the story is never truly about Batman and Joker. It's everything else around. It's Batman's background. It's Joker's background. It's what's going on in the world. I'm actually gonna, I'm, I'm gonna disagree with your example. Okay. Because even though the Joker still gets away, Mm -hmm. okay, that just makes him a recurring villain. The 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 important part is does he thwart the Joker? That's fair. Does he stop what the Joker's trying to do? Is the Batman victorious in the sense that he has stopped the evil plot from hatching and saved the people of Gotham? Right. Regardless of whether the Joker gets away. Right. That's the important part. Now, on the other hand, if kill the Joker is the quest, right? Yeah. Then him getting away constantly is tiresome. Yeah. You know. Yep. But it, but it's not for Batman. You know, yes. but 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 I see where you're going with it. You know, yeah, your players need to know they finished. Yes, and I think that in in what we just did, what you just described, that's the difference. Yes, today we saved the day, and he is put away. Exactly. You know, this isn't going to stick. That's fine. I'll get him again tomorrow. I'll, I'll, then I'll get him again tomorrow. Yep. 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 Exactly. And and that's the the difference there. Um. One of the other things is, um, and this is kind of getting, again, back to your, like, out-of-character talking mm-hmm. um, to your players, is what do your players expect out of your ending? Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is one of those – this may be a controversial point because I know a lot of storytellers will are, are, are kind of old school in their, their – uh, the way they tell stories and when they want to, like – they want to surprise people with them. They don't want to reveal any any um, plot points or anything like that. So asking what your players expect and then delivering that to them mm-hmm. is it's almost like letting them write the ending. Mm-hmm. And that leaves a, a foul taste in a lot of people's mouth. But I think there's a, a middle line you can walk mm-hmm. where you ask players what they see happening, mm-hmm. what they want to happen. And I would say you don't necessarily have to give that to them. Like, right. it's not like, oh, you know, Steve, Steve said he wanted, you know, the big bad evil guy to just throw up his hands and say, I surrender. So that's, I guess, what's going to happen now. It's not that. Mm-hmm. But the question you then ask is like, okay, you want him to surrender. Why do you think he would surrender to you? Mm-hmm. Well, because we've we've already, you know, at, at that point, we've uh, taken away the thing, the possibility of him winning. And he's always shown a regard for his own life over everybody else. So... I honestly think he wouldn't want us, to, you know, he would surrender before letting us kill him. Mm-hmm. He's not going to die for his project. I'm like, oh, that's a good point, actually. You yeah. know, consider consider having him surrender. One of your players wants it to happen, and if they have a good reason for why it should happen, you know, don't 
just make it. I mean, you can still have your battle at the end, mm -hmm. your big confrontation and stuff like that. Still roll the dice, still go through the stuff and stuff like that. But when, you know, that moment of inflection comes in the combat where he's either going to drop to zero hit points and die or he's going to, you know, the next round, does he attack or does he throw up his hands and say, okay, that's it. I, I, you've, you've got me beaten. Mm -hmm. No more. Yeah. You know, is he going to lay down his arms? Um, and I think that's perfectly valid. Yeah. You know, because your players are all trying to tell their own stories right. at the table. The reason that we make characters in our role-playing games is because we want to explore some sort of a story. We, we, we come up with character concepts because we think it's an interesting character to explore the story of. You know, a lot of us have journeys they want their characters to take mm -hmm. your character in my game yeah. is a story of an old soldier trying to find a way to lay down the arms yeah. that he is always known mm -hmm. and find you know gain some sort of sense of control mm -hmm. gain some sort of sense of family mm -hmm. you know and find those things that he's never that he's never been able to find and also realizing that he can't do that through warfare Right. That that compassion and family and love do not come from hatred and aggression. Right. Um, but when those are the only tools you have to work with, those are the things you have to work through. Right. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, and that's the story of your character. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I don't, in the end, allow you mm -hmm. to tell a story about an old soldier finding compassion and family, do... Do you feel satisfied at right. the end of my game? And do and, you feel like you've gotten to tell the story you right. wanted to Regardless tell? Regardless of where the plot ends. Yeah. Like, did I was I able to come to an end of my story? Mm-hmm. And I've I've been with enough people who brought characters to tables to like, I never got to finish the story of this character. Yeah. And like, it's disappointing. It's yeah. I mean I have one of those in my D and D game. Yeah. Yeah, one of my players said, like, I brought this character because I never, I didn't get to feel like it got finished. Hmm. Which one? Crowley. Okay. Okay. So, I have to handle that and see where it ends up. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but, but the fact is that you're, you're, you're tying that into your ending. You're putting, you're taking that in, at least into account and making the trajectory of your ending of the story in a way that would allow that thread to wrap up along with it. Especially if the player starts pushing into it. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can let that happen. Because, again, it's it's not your plot. It's it, theirs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So we talked about the beginning. How does the end fit that card, that dance card that we set up? That theme, yep. the mood, yep. the conflict and stuff like that are, you know, so like I said, at, at the... You know, are you telling the same story at the end that you were at the beginning? Right. Sometimes no is the answer, and that's actually okay. Mm -hmm. Like, don't feel like you failed as a storyteller if you look at those guide stars you've set forth in your beginning and said, like, oh, this this story has changed. Because sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the, the real theme is the theme you met along the way. <laughs> you know? It's very true. Um, I would say you should try for a yes, but, like, sometimes it happens organically that mm -hmm. just – you just find out that the characters are telling a completely different story, and you're like, oh, 
okay, no, we're going to lean into that, and that's so much better than anything you've got written, and you should absolutely abandon it for what your characters want to do. Yeah, I saw no. someone who ran Ravenloft, but halfway through Ravenloft found out that the story was about brothers in arms because they just kept grinding through problem after problem. And yeah. they were like, Ravenloft felt like World War II for these people. Like, they yeah. were sur barely surviving trench to trench. That was the story. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so what do you what do you do? You put them through a bunch of trauma, and you allow them to tell the story about two people who grow for grow closer together through the adversity. Yeah, you know, and you explore that as a plot thread. Sometimes it starts off as spoopy vampires, ends up with band of brothers. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, but keeping those things in mind when you are writing your ending, if you are still on that track, if you right. have still been able to keep that trajectory. Aim for your target, especially in your last act. Okay? Yeah. The ending is the punctuation on the end of a long sentence. Okay? It's where you get to be the most explicit about your themes and your thesis. Okay? If your theme was absolute power corrupts absolutely, then you bust out all the stops in your ending and you show them just how corrupt power can get. Mm-hmm. You go over the top with it. You beat them over the head with the concept mm -hmm. so that it is one big crescendo of an ending. This is the grand finale of your story. There isn't yeah. anything else after your ending. Right. So, you know, just like a fireworks display, light every fuse. Yep. Light every fuse. Set it all off. Make it bombastic. Make it over the top. This but is not saying make it dangerous. We're not saying crank the mechanics up. We're talking no, no, about no. the story. Your theme. Right. Crank your theme. Theme up to 11. Correct. Um, as an example, uh, we've talked a lot about my last plot arc with uh, with the two vampires. Yes. Okay, and your character specifically being given a magical undead slaying sword by uh, by the Daedric Prince Meridia. Yes. And uh, being told, go slay the evil darkness. Not told which evil darkness that is, if it's one, if it's both, if it's neither. Right. And leaving that solution up to you. Mm-hmm. Being torn between a Daedric prince of purity mm -hmm. and 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 absolute, you know, judgment, mm -hmm. um, and an Aedra, a god of mercy. Mm -hmm. Which one do you listen to? The right. one who handed you a sword and told you to go smite, or the one who says that compassion and mercy is the way? Mm -hmm. Is one choice right? Is one choice wrong? Mm -hmm. So what is my grand finale? I put both vampires in the same room, sword in your hand, make a choice. Yep. You've got the good vampire who takes you back into the back room of right. his castle and says, this is my slumbering vampire wife. She's fallen into a deep coma because she couldn't, she couldn't grasp the concept of being a vampire. She refused to eat. Right. And I just want her to have peace. No matter I want, what. I want to find a cure for vampirism so no one will ever know our suffering ever again. And so that I won't make anyone else suffer. Right. And then you've got the other one who was a ravening gang leader, essentially, mm -hmm. trying to raise up a riot in mm -hmm. the city. Burn the whole city down just to get this guy scout a bit more. And you've got the magical sword. Yep. Torn between violence and mercy. Mm-hmm. That is about as over the head I could have beaten you with a hammer yep. as as that yep. story was gonna get. Yep. About what the theme was. Yep. Yep. And that's and that's how you do it. Yep. 
I agree. It felt great at the end and, and horrific at the end. And horrific, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was everything it needed to be. What I was going for. I wanted yeah. you to feel very bad about the decision that you had that you had to make. Yeah. Um, and I wanted you to constantly look back on that decision and go, was it right? Oh, no, I constantly do. Yeah. Um, Especially from the character's point of view. Like yeah. When I take the time to feel that character out, I'm like, yeah, I had to make that decision a couple times. Now. And why? Because that's the character's key internal conflict. Like I said, your story, your story mm-hmm. is about a is about a soldier trying to figure out how to lay down his arms and not be a soldier anymore. Right. So if I give you a big magical sword and tell you not to be a soldier, what are you going to do? Right. You know. Um. All right. Last thing. Wrap up your plot threads. Now, aren't you, aren't you supposed to like leave tendrils everywhere so you can keep writing stories? It depends. It depends. No, I mean, honestly, you look, I know you're laughing. I do it all the time, though. But it depends. Yeah. Um. So the first thing you want to do, take take a look back at the characters you've introduced. Right. Okay. All the stories you've told and stuff of like that. Um. Everybody kind of has their own little story. Every every NPC, good or bad, is going to have their own little their own little place in the story and stuff of like that. Um. And if you're if you really are trying to wrap things up. You know, you're not yeah. trying to leave loose threads for, for continuation of story and stuff like and that. And I, I do feel that especially for short runs, don't. Mm-hmm. If, if you've got a – if you're literally doing a one-shot, keep it clean. The story itself will generate things. Yeah, for a one-shot, you're only going to have a small cast of characters anyways. Right, right. You know, so it's not going to be difficult to wrap up the plot lines of three whole NPCs. I've know? seen some people do some silly things, and yeah. especially across the, the Reddit threads. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm writing, running this one shot, but I have all these strong NPCs. What's my problem? Your you problem have is you all have 27 these NPCs strong for a NPCs. One shot. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to build any investment with any of those people? Exactly. At the same time, if you're not running a one shot, you're running an adventure. It's probably going to run a year, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And you've got a, your standard cast, maybe of seven or eight NPCs. You know, you've got your villain. You might have their primary henchman. You've got your, you know, your interest that is keeping the the group around you have your 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 honesty your older pieces you know your your john wick cast or your mandalorian cast you know your typical thing that people are seeing over and over again so you've got good investment you, every one of those people do not have to have backstories that need fulfillment by the players yeah it's okay if they do. It's okay just to leave those on the ground. Yeah, it's it's not it's not your player's responsibility necessarily to close off their plot lines, but you should have a close to their plot line. You know, yeah. uh, the the old the old man who hired you for the job, you give him the artifact. That's his ending. Like he mm-hmm. says, okay, thank you. I'm satisfied with this. Right. Great. Yeah. That's the ending. A job well done. You yeah. know. Uh oh the the artifact was destroyed, but it was evil anyways. Yeah. Oh. I'm disappointed that I never got to see it, but happy that an evil thing has been destroyed. Done. That yep. that is his ending. Yep. Period. Um, you want to make sure that not only characters have to have happy endings, mm-hmm. but that they have endings at least. Yeah. Um, and, and I almost say this is that at the end of your story, if you're not planning on doing more with it, and your players are like, "Hey, could I go take care of that that and get that girl to go to university?" You mean the one you saved out of the well? Yeah. Sure. What happens? Mm-hmm. Let them tell it. Sure. Yeah. Let them roll that off. Do do. Let them tell their own epilogues. Yeah. You know. Tell us. Tell us what what, what your character is doing afterwards. You know, tell us what your NPCs are doing. Especially afterwards. if you've got a plot thread that sat out there and you've never wrapped it. Like uh-huh. you might have an idea for it, but like, what's their idea of how that ends? Right. Exactly. You know, I go wandering off in the sunset to go find that thief. Oh. 
And how do you see that going? I'm never heard from again. Okay. 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 All that's left is a missing persons report. Sure. Sure. And look, you may you may want to be setting up for you know a, a sequel, a follow up. Um, if this is the ending of just one one plot of many in your campaign, um, then uh, uh, you know obviously you're going to want to leave some sort of threads going on. Right. But I think I think a lot of like your your greatest like sequels are ones that looked neatly tied up at the part at the end of part one. Yeah. Um, like Terminator comes to mind, you know? Okay. Terminator. No. Hey, look. No, I'm listening. One of the greatest sequels in history. One of those movies where people will argue that Terminator 2 was better than Terminator 1. No, I I will agree on those two. Yes. And at the end of Terminator 1, Mm -hmm. okay, it's a simple story about robot comes back in time to kill woman who will later give birth to future resistance leader. Sure. That is the whole plot. Yep. Okay. Eventually... It leads to a final confrontation in which the robot murderer is destroyed. Yep. We think, cool, that's over with. Terminator 2 comes along and we're like, what's, what's going What's going on with this, guys? I, mean, they, I thought the robot thing was dead and Lady lived. Okay, yeah, sure. But they're trying again. This time the robot's different. Also this time there's a good robot murderer who's on the side of the now teenage resistance leader hero who's not yet a resistance leader hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two bo- robots are going to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and again, sounds, you know, silly, but it looked neatly wrapped up at the end of one. Aliens is another great one. Alien, alien and then and aliens. aliens. Yes. One alien on a derelict planet kills an entire crew. Gets blown out the airlock. No way it survives. Ellen Ripley drifts off in her escape pod at the end. Done. Done. Cool. End of story. We're wrapped up. That one alien is gone. Mm -hmm. Aliens starts, and we're like, where are we going with this, guys? Oh, it's 53 years later, first off. Second off, you know that planet? (laughs) There are colonists there now. Yes. You know, and so it's the, I I think if you're going to leave it, Closed. I, I think it's okay to tie to apparently tie off all your plot threads. It's essentially the, the, the point I'm getting at here. Right, okay? right, right. Even if your plot looks like it is neatly wrapped up, usually there are some repercussions. There are some things that are not neatly tied up in a way that they couldn't have a continued story. That mm-hmm. There couldn't be a, hey, what happens to this afterwards? Right. You know? Maybe you tell in a post-apocalyptic story if at the end of your first story the bomb goes off, you know? Right. Whatever, but there's always a what were the repercussions of of of, of one that mm-hmm. we can roll into two. Right. Nothing wrong with that. And that's it. We have questions. We do have some questions. Some very good questions, in fact. You want to grab one? We're over, but I will roll through these because they're good. Let's roll. All right, uh, Tim. Uh, Tim Sauzer. Uh, when you've played a long campaign, it can be hard to walk away from characters you've been playing for a long time. Players and GMs can really uh, feel a real sense of loss. Is there anything you can do in your games to address the aftermath of a campaign to bring closure? Again, I I say give them the floor. You're mm-hmm. done. You've you've finished as the storyteller telling your story. Let them run with a closing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That gives that closure, um, and it. I've seen people who've done really long campaigns, multi-year campaigns, where they say, who would like to tell the closing for this character? Mm -hmm. And somebody else grabs it and says, 
here's how I see your ending. Because they've invested with each other so much. Sure, sure. And especially, like, the story's over. So, yeah. like, even if it doesn't match your vision, who cares? Like, this is the last game session. Right, you know? right. Let them let them have the spotlight for a little bit. Let them do some of the storytelling. Tell you what they think that, you know, what their investment has brought them in your story right. is really what you're asking them for. Exactly, exactly. Give them the spotlight. Give them the microphone. Yeah, I and, and roll on. That's great. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great way to help close things up because you've you've closed the main plot yeah so there's no reason to just not give it up to them and allowing them to have their moment to just talk about their character about mm-hmm. some of the npcs that meant something to them and stuff like that that's a it's kind of a form of therapy um oh, very I think much what, so what tim is getting at here you know it's like hard to walk away from characters you've been playing for a long time like we talk a little bit about how role-playing activates a lot of the same centers in your memory of, like, actual experience does. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk about, like, oh, that time that our characters fought a dragon in a D&D game. We talk about the time we fought that dragon, mm-hmm. you know, yep. because that's how we experience it so vividly in our imagination with these right. games. These are characters we've, we know. Mm-hmm. These are characters we've, we've become attached to. So you're, at the end of your game, you're kind of eulogizing them. Yeah, a little bit. Very much so. Whether they're dead or not, you know, right. you're not going to see them anymore. It's the so, end of that season with them. Yes. So allowing your players to talk through it is a little like uh, giving their eulogy. It's a little bit like like therapy at the end. I'm going to say instead of eulogy, use the idea of graduation. Sure. You've been four years with these people. You've sweat, you've done extra stuff, you've been through everything. You guys have had some crazy times, you've been in trouble at times, you've gotten out of trouble at times. Yeah. But now you're all going off to do other things with your lives. How do you wrap up things there? It's hard. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you have a lot of memories. You yep. recite those things, you talk about where you're going. Yep, absolutely. That's what it is. Absolutely. You are graduating from these characters. I agree fully. So. Uh, all right, so Nevim uh, asks a, a barrage of questions uh, in typical Nevim style. We have, can you intertwine the beginnings of the next story with or before the current plot ending? Or should you only tell one story at a time? I did it. <laughs> I think you absolutely can. I would do it cautiously. Yes. Um. So what you're really talking about here is foreshadowing. Correct. Um, Very hard to do. So I think you should only tell one story at a time, Mm -hmm. but you can absolutely foreshadow the next story before the ending of your first one. Drop events in that leave a breadcrumb trail to what the next plot will be, and then... When it happens, when the inciting incident happens, or whenever your your new plot is introduced in whatever manner that you're that you're that you're introducing it proper, they will look back on those foreshadows and go, "Oh, we saw this coming." It is. I will say this: don't think of it as in the grand story campaign sense. Start practicing it with adventure to adventure. Yes. Within within stories. Yes. So that. Literally, your adventure, which is just about going to take care of X, foreshadows what's going to happen when they have to go handle Y. Yes. And and the events are in there. That way, you get used to that process, and it will feel natural to do a 50,000K overview of what's happening next. What yeah. are the pieces? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, next question is, uh, when is the right time to lead the story to its ending? Um. 
So the visual that I have with this one is okay. a mountain climb. If you are if they know they are rising to the finish, mm-hmm. they can see it up there. They don't have a good focus point on it, but they they see the top of the dark mountain with the smoke circling around it and bits of fire. It's up there. They're assuming that that's a volcano or something's going on up there and it's going to be bad. That's the kind of thing they have to rise to meet it. And your foreshadowing of the ending should be during the rise. They're already aware of where they're going, so they they know who the big bad guy is. Mm -hmm. But the foreshadow of the ending should come during the rise. Like, I'm arising, like, I'll use the mountain as a great example of that. If I'm rising up a mountain that I know is a volcano, the foreshadow in my mind as a player is I'm going to be fighting in a volcano. There's my foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. That is where the end is going to happen is during whatever that is. That's the kind of of feeling you want your players to have as they're reaching the apex of their finish is that they can feel to a degree where the end, where where they're visually seeing the end. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm, you know, I'm on a helicarrier talking to a bunch of people and maybe fighting some, you know, maybe preparing to to go to war. More than likely, I'm going to be fighting on that helicarrier when I see the other one show up and start shooting at me. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- okay, so the ending is going to happen on a helicarrier. Got it. This is where we're going to end this thing. Uh, I, I I, think the right time to lead the story to its ending, for me at least, um, I kind of go back to my whole, like, theme and mm-hmm. conflict sort of thing. Um, I don't tend to do a lot of, like, twists and false endings and stuff no, like that. No, you're pretty straight with it. I generally do very straightforward with, like, this is the conflict. Did the conflict happen? Yes. Are we done with the conflict? Cool. Then we are done with the story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not everybody's going to be like that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important to set out with a goal for your story in mind, mm-hmm. and it's very important to always keep an eye on that goal. Mm-hmm. All those, like I said, those 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 guide stars that you mm-hmm. set on very early when you lay your groundwork, um, and when you've hit those guide stars, you're done. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was the final conflict. That was the point of telling this story. We wanted to witness the spiral into madness of the big bad evil guy. We saw him go off the rails. We got in a fight about it. He was yep. defeated. We're done. Yep. Let's go home. Yep. There's no more story to tell here. You know. Um, and I th- I think that's that's what you should look for. Okay. Uh, should endings be related to players' motivations and actions, or can it be a huge scene where the players are only a spectator? I hate spectating endings. Absolutely, do I've, not do the spectator scenes. I've done the spect. I've been in the spectator endings. I think they're terrifyingly bad. They leave a, a nasty taste in your mouth. Every one of those games, I will recognize as being the worst games that I've been in, because I I have no agency. I'm watching an ending occur. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reminded a lot of uh, when I played Metal Gear Solid Two. Okay. The ending of that game is like a 45 minute long cutscene. Oof. And it's broken up by a little bit of gameplay, but that gameplay is literally like, you walk down a hall. Here's another 12 minutes of cutscene. Now you regain c- control of your character again. You walk around a corner, you fight one guy who's just a regular guard, you walk through a door. Here's another 15 minutes of cutscene. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to fight the last guy, and that fight lasts for two minutes. And now here's another 20 minutes of cutscene, you know? 
So it's to me that was not enjoyable. That was watching a movie. If I wanted to watch a movie, I would just put a movie on. But this is an interactive experience for me. I know I'm talking about a video game, but obviously playing a role-playing game yeah. is also an interactive experience for me. And if you take away all of my agency at the table, you're writing a book. You're writing a book. Yeah, for me it's the it's very similar to that. I I remember that in a lot of games where you you do the the thing but that's not really the ending. Uh, Half-Life did that for me. Uh, and where it's like, okay, I did the thing. Oh, and then all of this else happens. Mm-hmm. And somebody comes and talks to you and ends your day. And that's it. Wait, he did the thing? He could have done that whenever. Oh, so I don't have any agency here? Yeah. None of my, none of my, my you know, Amazing actions ab- mattered? Yeah. To a hill of beans at the end of the day, somebody else just came in and solved the problem for me. Yeah. Or yeah. or we finished the thing, and now you're going to monologue for 20 minutes about how this affects the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yeah. Let, let us do that. Yeah. We're here, too. Yeah. So I would say no. I would yeah. never say I – would, I, would, I would never agree with this spectator. Hard no. Hard no. Hard no. Hard no. Uh, so to create a story twist, like in books or movies, would you start with a story with – uh, would you start a story with its ending? I did that. I legitimately did that in my D&D game. Okay. Remember I started Act 3 with the the scene and the genie? Yeah. How do you feel that's working out for you? I feel that it was a uh, – that I didn't present – it presented well in my mind mm-hmm. but did not present well with the players because there was no ownership. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem that you run in with trying to do twists like that or do do stories in reverse, yeah. you know, or, or things like that. Because, again, your players are not going to get to the ending you think they're going to get to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hard agree with that. Um, I think uh, you should never write your ending. Nope. Never write your ending. Like you have can an have idea. A, you can have an, you can have an idea. You can have a trajectory. You mm-hmm. can have a guide star that you're aiming for. Mm-hmm. But that's it. You get to aim and nothing else because yep. where your players take the story is where your players take the story. I think your most interesting opportunities for plot twists come in during gameplay. Yep. Um, and it will usually happen uh, because of player agency. Mm-hmm. Um, a great example, I think, of a, of a neat little plot twist that had everybody cursing at my table, mm-hmm. except for Sean, who was grinning like a devil, um, was at the end of my last game, when the leader of the Mages Guild took a couple of the uh, the mages aside and said, yes, uh, we're actually going to be uh, going on our first expedition into the Realm of Oblivion Apocrypha, um, and y'all are going, uh, uh, going there to, you know, kind of set up a base camp and stuff like that. And uh, Lord Thalian Arroway, Sean's character, has invited the Count of Skingrad, who was uh, the quasi-villain of the last plot arc, yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, to come to Apocrypha with you. So you're taking him. Yeah, we've, we're, we're, we're taking him. And yeah. everybody at the table went, ah, crap. Well, they all didn't say crap. No. Um, but there was a collective curse word uttered across that table because they thought he was gone. Yep. They thought they would never see that character again. That plot was yep. wrapped up. But I would like to point out, I didn't invite him. He invited himself. 
no, you invited him. You did invite him. You did invite you him. You totally invited him. Uh, yes, you did. Sean is in the studio with us and is asserting that he invited himself. No, no, no. You no, absolutely said, invited. I can get you access to Apocrypha if you give me some favor as a count. And that that exchange was made. Yep. But that's neither here nor there. We're not We're not here to argue about that. I'm just saying is that... That happened mid-plot because of player agency. Yes. Your players will hand you more opportunities for plot twists Mm -hmm. than you will think of yourself. 100% agree. And if your players do something, you just think about the consequences of those actions. And then when you make those consequences happen, especially if they don't foresee those consequences, that looks to them like a plot twist. Yes. I agree. I agree. I mean, he asked the Count to come with him. You guys didn't see this coming, but nobody else knew yep. that he had asked the Count to come with him. So when I said, okay, the Count's coming with you, the whole table was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So, All right, we got one from a new uh, listener, 22 Bebo. 22 Bebo! So what should you do when the beginning arc of a story does not tie in well to the overarching story you want to tell? For example, if your game began as a handful of pre-written one-shot adventures that evolved into a longer campaign, does every part of the story need to feed into the main plot? No. Not in the least. Not in the least. Um, Again, if you – your beginning is where you choose it to be. So if you need – like mm -hmm. you had it in here listed as the game as a handful of pre-written one-shot adventures – Great. Yeah, that's their origin story. They're just it's just the group getting to know each other and stuff like that. That's fine. And yep. then and then the real meta plot begins. Right. And and that again, all the time. your players may have built a imaginary meta plot. Uh huh. And then you can just be like, okay, we now we begin. And that's when you set the theme. That's where you set your tone. Yeah. That's where you set what's important. You present your villainy, and, and that's the beginning. Now now you have a defined beginning. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And there's also nothing wrong with resetting. There's yeah, nothing absolutely. says that, that that what you just did in those previous pieces ended, and now this begins. I uh, I lampooned Supernatural earlier on in the show, but I'm actually going to hold it up as a good example here. Nah. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to hold it up as a good example It if you assume that the show ended at Season 5 where, it's, where it was supposed to. That's fair. Um, and that is, in Season 1, it's just the boys going around hunting just random supernatural stuff. And there's a, a kind of meta plot about, sure. like, oh, where's Dad? Uh, oh, what happened to Mom? Like, mm-hmm. horrible things in the past, and the family is obviously, in, you know... I'm talking about my backstory. Yeah, but we're just really talking about backstory. Really, we're talking about what's what ghost is haunting this house or what werewolf is hunting these people or Mm -hmm. what other weird supernatural things happening. And Mm -hmm. it's all just a series of one shots essentially. Right. But then by season five, the whole season is about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We start off with it. We end with it Mm -hmm. and it is, it consumes the entire thing. And that's fine. That works very well. That Um, format actually works very well. I agree. I agree. And there's been other stories that have done that, Mm -hmm. um, that have only lightly weaved bits and pieces to see what the viewers latch on to. Yeah. And then presented those things as hard canon and and the new plot, if you will. I would say even my own game kind of did that. I didn't do really one shots, but it was little things like, hey, go fight some goblins here and go fight some ogres there. Mm -hmm. It was just little milk runs to get you guys used to each other. And then it was like, oh, go fight a troll 
but there's also some weird bandits in the area. Yeah. And then those bandits and like that was your plot hook into the bandit you know, thing. Um but you got to you got the investment in early. Yeah. on what the issues were. And yeah, so and and you can you can use the little ones to string into the bigger one of like, oh, suddenly there's a common thread. What is going on with that? Why do we keep running into these people? You know. Right, right. Yeah, so. so nothing wrong with that. I think that's a perfect way. Just remember where your beginning is and keep consistent at that sure, point. Sure, sure. And there's nothing wrong with continuing to do a series of one-shots. It's called episodic storytelling. Yeah, and it works you well. You never have to have a main plot. Nope. You really don't. Nope. It, it can be a new thing every time, Monster of the Week. Yep. yep. And that's perfectly enjoyable, and everybody likes it sometimes. Yep, absolutely. All right, Uh, I think... We are on to next week's topic. More or less. Uh, so we are going to be talking next week about stories that don't have a villain. Not every story has a main source for their, in, you know, antagonism. Sometimes your environment is your is your main thing. Um, sometimes your your antagonist is faceless and many. Um, but... Sorry, I had to laugh at that because all I could think of was sometimes you know, sometimes uh, literacy is your el guapo. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's it is a completely legitimate to not have a villain. Now we've done it with environment, but uh, we're gonna go a little differently on this one. Yeah, yeah, I think well, we're gonna we're gonna explore the space a little bit. Um, and you can definitely uh, uh, tell. Well, I should say I won't get into it. I'll, I'll leave it for the show. All right, all right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And, uh, join us up on our Discord. We've had a lot of new Discord members, uh, joining us. Thank you, uh, and welcome to all the new members. Um, you can find that link to our Discord on our Twitter, as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. Speaking of our storytellerconclave.com website, on the right-hand side, you can find all the places to subscribe, whether you're using Amazon or, uh, Google Podcasts or, uh, Spotify. All of that is available to you. You can click on the links there, uh, and find our cast. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us out every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, uh, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, and Hulavu, as well as Sean. Uh, we really do appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that one at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for thank you, uh, thank so you. loving and supporting us. Thank you, Sean, for uh, hanging out with us in the studio today. <laughs> yes. And all of our friends uh, who sat with us at our tables over the years to give you these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.